I'm Aaron Weintraub, and this is Inside Kurdistan. So this podcast is about football, uh, which is an important topic for Kurdistan and, quite frankly, everywhere. Uh, And it's a little ridiculous that I haven't made an episode about this before now. Uh, But I think the most important aspect about football's cultural grip on the world is that most people fall in love with it from an early age. Most kids grow up playing at least a little football, yes, even in America. (laughs) And that's what I really want to talk about today with my guest, Artin Barawi, uh, because youth sports and youth activities in general, whether it's in school or extracurricular, are lacking in cities like Erbil, where I'm based, and in Sleimani, where Artin is based. And that's had long-term impacts on the physical and mental health of kids in Kurdistan. Artin is the founder of Suli Football Friends. It's a youth football club that really hones in on what makes sports so important from a young age. Uh, Leadership, cooperation, fun, these are all of the things that often get pushed to the side when trying to push kids through the education system, not just here, but everywhere, quite frankly. Uh, So Artin and I met at a cafe and uh, chatted about his own love of the sport and his decision to go into coaching and managing kids. So here's that conversation. Artin, thanks so much for joining me today. Yeah, thank you for having me. So um, I want to congratulate you because this is the first piece of, I think, sports-related content we've done for our website because we're a bunch of nerds. Uh, no, but uh, it, it was a conversation when we set up our website. It was like, should we have a sports section? And everyone yeah. kind of collectively decided, like, no, nah, it's fine. Um, and so I guess my opening question is, uh, how did you first discover the sport? Yeah, with, uh, with football, um, I've been a you know, a huge fan of football uh, for a while. Um, I came to Kurdistan, uh, I was born in Denmark, uh, my family moved back to Kurdistan in 2004. Uh, I was only seven years old and um, I wasn't interested at football at all, but everyone sort of in school, all of my friends uh, were always talking about football, Barcelona, Real Madrid, as the big two teams in Kurdistan have always been, you know. Uh, so quickly I decided, yeah, I'm, I'm going to pick Real Madrid, of course. David Beckham, Roberto Carlos, these guys uh, were my heroes growing up. Uh, but I wouldn't say uh, I, was, I was mad about football then. Um, it, was, it wasn't until a couple of years later um, when I got really interested <clears throat> in English football and Manchester United in particular. So I'm still a huge Manchester United supporter, of course, uh, and I and I love love I've loved Manchester United for a long time, and you know I got into Manchester United at a really uh, at really perfect timing because it was around 2007 when I got into into Man United, and that year was when we won the Champions League, which is the biggest uh, trophy you can win in uh, club football in European club football, and we also won the Premier League, and I uh, if I remember correctly the League Cup as well. Uh, and in general, that time was was a great period for Manchester United because we were, you know, our manager Sir Alex, one of the greatest managers on our team, Ryan Giggs, Gary Neville, Paul Scholes, Wayne Rooney, and of course Cristiano Ronaldo was was were all at Manchester United. So it was a really good time growing up, uh, and and uh, having having that football education as a fan, being so young. <coughs> And, and as a lot of kids do nowadays, I also got into FIFA really early, sort of the FIFA, the video game. And believe it or not, uh, I started playing football manager 
uh, oh, quite early as well. Yeah, so, so, so FIFA is the game that everyone plays, yeah. and if you want to be the manager, then you, you select career mode, you know, you, mm -hmm. you, you start a career on, on FIFA. Uh, but then there's another completely different video game that's only on computers, it's only a computer game, you know, uh, only, only on your sort of computer. You can't play it on a console, uh, and it's called Football Manager. And Football Manager is a management simulation game where you don't control the players, you can just tell them what to do and manage the finances and, and sign new players and Build if you're not doing so good, get, yeah. get sacked by the board of directors, <laughs> you know? And I got into this really early and of course I was completely terrible at Football Manager because I was only 13 and I was used to FIFA and why aren't the players scoring enough goals, you know? Um, so no, I was into, I, I got interested into management, sort of football management and coaching and all the background side of football really early on. Yeah, that's an early sign for sure. <laughs> uh, well, you did somewhat become a manager uh, from a young age. Uh, and I want to talk about when you started uh, playing here. Uh, can you tell me a little more about when you actually started engaging? Uh, yeah, football? Uh, I joined my uh, high school football team uh, when I was around uh, 13 or 14 uh, and my teammates were, had already been playing in the team for a couple of years. Some of them were older than me, some of them were younger than me. So I was already at a uh, sort of disadvantage to them because I started later than them. Uh, yeah, so I helped my, uh, I tried to help my team as uh, well as I could uh, in other ways than uh, as, as, a, as a squad player by uh, helping organize games, helping organize training, buying football or training equipment for us to train with. Um, so yeah, that, uh, that got me a little bit into the sort of training side, uh, but I wasn't uh, really a coach uh, per se of the team. I was just uh, trying to be a useful squad member. You're just trying to be part of the team. Yeah. I'm curious, how much support did your school give you guys directly? Yeah, very little. Um, they did support me personally when I uh, asked if I could sort of uh, plan or organize a charity football tournament. Uh, in collaboration with an organization back then, uh, one of the students, one of our students, Dalia, uh, created this uh, organization, One Wish, um, that aimed to help sort of uh, cancer patients. Uh, so we raised $200 for, for can cancer for, for Hiwa Hospital, I, nice. I, if I remember well, uh, through, an uh, through, through, a, through a tournament that I organized. So, so yeah, school helped me organize that tournament. I guess <laughs> I can thank them for that. But other than that, uh, providing coaches, facilitating and helping us sort of uh, book football fields, stuff like that, that was all, all down to us. Let's, let's get into that a little bit because um, I'm curious about schools supporting kids to be able to just have fun. Uh, yeah. That's not really a thing that's embedded in a lot of schools here. Kids are basically expected to go. They sit in a desk. Uh, they take, you know, the proper tests, and then they go become adults. And that's sort of the system. There's no real room. I mean, if, uh, you were talking about this earlier. That even the structure of schools is, is basically this basic courtyard for kids to run around in. It's not even that safe. There's no playground. There's no real facilities to be able to like actually develop it a you know a proper team. What? How do you see that affecting children? Yeah, of course, that, that was definitely uh, a lot of my experience growing up was uh, very strict. Uh, you know, uh, any attempt, even, even attempts at having fun was uh, cut short. You know, we would find uh, sort of uh, plastic water bottles or Pringles cans to play football with. And 
if we were caught playing, you know, for a while Pringles cans were banned from our sort of play area or like playground area because we would play football with them. So we weren't even allowed <laughs> to create, uh, you know, uh, yeah, uh, play football with a Pringles can. I mean, it's Pringles can. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's crazy, you know. We were so happy to kick that Pringles can around because of the sort of aerodynamics of it. It's just so much nicer than a water bottle. You know, the water bottle doesn't go as far as the Pringles can. Yeah, you guys Pringles, really, yeah. yeah. A little yeah. heavier than you a water bottle. You did your research. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just trial and error, I guess, at that age. Um, ideally, we would have had like a football field during breaks that we can actually kick a ball around, you know. Um, so, um, that, yeah, that was definitely my experience growing up. And now uh, I was a teacher for a while at a school here. Um, and it's very similar, you know. I was really happy to see for a while they were allowed to play with a ball in the in the sort of courtyard area, which is really crowded. But I also understand why they banned football, because a lot of people would end up getting hurt. But ideally, what you want is a separate area for play, like for, for football. Yeah, separate people area get hurt play. because it's a concrete courtyard. <laughs> like, it's not because of the football in it. And it's, it's uh, I don't really remember exactly, but maybe a 25 by 30 meter space, and there's at least 150 or 200 kids running around frantically so but yeah it, the fact that kids wanted to play football there just is, is is an indication of how much kids need and want to play sports or or football in general like football seems to be the sports that all kids uh, straight away you know uh, uh, want to play so i think we should really as adults provide them with a space and time for them to play football mm. When you finished playing uh, at your school, when did you get the idea to develop uh, Suli Football Friends? Because you went, to, you went to business school, correct? Yeah. So this was sort of your elevator pitch uh, into developing sort of your own entrepreneurial yeah. uh, pursuit. Definitely. So uh, when I was in school, I definitely had thoughts like, uh, oh, I, I wish we had a coach. I wish I, we were playing in a proper team with proper uniforms with you know like every I think I think every kid dreams of this you know you see it on TV and instantly it clicks you know you um, that's what you want you know I, I'm not sure if it's like this for every kid I'm not I'm, I'm sure it isn't but I know that a lot of kids uh, grow up wanting to be a part of the uh, part of a team mm. and to win games and uh, to have a coach to teach you to be a better player and a better person you know I think I think every kid wants this I definitely did um, so, so yeah, um, soon after finishing uh, sort of high school, uh, I started studying at the American University here in my home, sort of in my, uh, where I live in Sully. Uh, I start, started studying business and I got the foundations, you know, uh, for business. I wasn't particularly fond of, of business. I thought I was into marketing and then I realized I'm not into marketing. <laughs> Um, but then I took an entrepreneurship class with my professor Pat Klein in my uh, semester before last and by then I had already decided that as soon as I'm done with uni I want to start my own football school and my entrepreneurship class only helped me sort of uh, make my ideas more tangible and put them on paper and understand I even had a logo you know uh, uh, so I understood exactly the whole business side of it, making sure I'm targeting the right people I'm, uh, and I'm providing the right service to the right people. 
Once that was in order, then it became about football. Okay, so how do we make this the best football team experience for kids aged six to 12, you know? Uh, so how did you? Yeah, so um, obviously I'm, I'm a huge, huge football nut. Uh, I, I'm, I'm crazy about everything football from playing to managing to video games. Uh, to, to, to managing video games. To managing video <laughs> games, uh, to, to fan culture, to all kinds of weird stuff. Uh, you know, uh, for a while uh, during COVID, when I was in Denmark, uh, <laughs> I found this job. I was lucky enough to work a job where I would get paid to go to football matches because I was a live statistician where like I would send live statistics to this company who would then sell that live data to betting companies. So I wasn't w working uh -huh. for a betting company per se, but they were using my data to then, um, you know, uh, oh, well, the home team scored a goal, so let's make the odds higher so oh. no one wins, uh, you know, no like one gets any winnings. kind of situation? <laughs> yeah, something like that. So okay. what I was doing, I was attending around uh, four or five games every month across all divisions so I was lucky enough to go to some Superliga games Superliga is the Danish first uh, highest division uh, the, the top division in Denmark so I went to um, FC uh, Aarhus and uh, I think I forget the, the teams uh, FC Suna Yuska as well I think yeah just and, and it was amazing because you know I would obviously arrive early at the games and a lot of the times their youth teams would be playing just outside the field and there would be parents and a referee and a, a subs bench and everything that we don't have here you know right. like the whole culture of it and I would just uh, you know I remember one time I went to a youth game and everyone was sitting on a blanket and I'm like why is everyone sitting why, 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 why is no one standing you can just stand and watch the game and so I stood and watched the game and then a parent told me hey you know, you're not supposed to stand when the kids are playing. So apparently, so I learned that. You know, like um, apparently, you're supposed to sit in Denmark when you watch youth youth football. Okay. Um, so no, that was a, a hugely uh, enjoyable sort of experience uh, for me going to so many games across divisions. I even went to youth games um, to, to 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 do live data and youth games, and I forgot what the question was. But yeah. No, it's okay. Well, I'm curious, Kat, How how did you feel about well, first, I'm curious, why? Why are they sitting down when the kids are playing? Um, I'm sure it has to do with, um, yeah, so, so it's a, a big thing in youth sports is parents shouting instructions at their kids ah. or even worse, at oppos opposition kids. Like, yeah, okay. Uh, you know, hey, get the ball. Hey, come on, yeah, yeah. you know. Uh, so I guess that's an attempt or something to, worse or <laughs> something <laughs> worse you know it's uh, it's funny uh, the other day uh, uh, like a story came out about Jose Mourinho the current Roma manager going to a FC Roma youth game and trying to so, so there was a penalty for the opposition team and Jose Mourinho tried to put the player off of taking the penalty by shouting something at him right before taking the penalty so it happens even to Joe you know if, if Jose Mourinho does it then you know, <laughs> I'm not saying it's okay, but it happens everywhere yeah. and, and, and that's fine. But we also have to be respectful of the kids and their time and making sure there's as little as possible pressure on the kids to do well, because at the end of the day, it's not about winning at this age. You, you should see the kids uh, at the football school that, are, that I manage uh, after they lose a game. Uh, yeah. it, it's funny, you know, it's... Um, 
they're just so competitive. Yeah. Have have you had to deal with other teams or other coaches sort of implementing sort of a win first, uh, fun later style? And have have how have you like had to deal with like. Uh, I forget the phrase that you used earlier um, when we were talking. Oh, it's not about the results, it's about the development. Yeah, it's about yeah. development, of course. Have you, have, have you had to deal with results first coaches yeah. before? As a coach, you have to, you have to always uh, put development first because we're not playing the Champions League final, we're not playing the World Cup final. Like, these are kids, you know. Um, um, like you said, they'll pr put the pressure uh, on themselves by themselves. So we don't have to worry about that. All we have to do is create the right environment to, for them to grow and thrive and learn in and, and, and have fun, of course, most importantly. Um, unfortunately, in Slemani and I'm assuming uh, perhaps across the region, um, a lot of coaches don't understand this. Uh, so I've had to play against, I, I've had encounters with really nice coaches who uh, more much more experienced than me and uh, have had the same ethos and uh, philosophy that, that I believe in. Uh, but yeah, I've also had to, had to play against coaches that uh, are so determined to win that we've agreed to, let's say, bring only under 13 kids. Uh, and I learned from one of my own players that one of their kids is a 10th grader and 10th graders are 16. So uh, that's a three year three-year difference and, mm -hmm. and and trust me the difference between a 13 year old and a 16 year old both physically and technically is is really a lot yeah yeah it's like a child twice the size yeah it, it, it's not point. fair to the kids you know you want them to play uh, well well first of all uh, for safety reasons it's not fair to, fair to the kids because you want them to play against people their own sizes like kids their own sizes uh, but also for competition like like I said, I don't care about, of course I care about winning, I want to win, but I need to put on uh, a performance or I need to uh, not bring that side out of me. Mm -hmm. I need to let the kids win. Of course, I'm happy when we win and I'm sad when we lose, but um, yeah, it's not fair for the kids because when they lose against a team that, let's say, cheated by bringing all the kids, then they'll blame themselves. You know, hey, we weren't good enough, uh, we didn't train hard enough. And of course, you can use losing as an opportunity to learn. Uh, like they say, there's no winning and losing, there's only winning and, and learning. Uh, but also you want the kids to learn the feeling of winning so they want to win more. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, it's just a fairness thing, to be honest. Uh, so I have a question about um your price point for your, your program. You generally uh, uh, cater to sort of a, a more privileged like group of kids uh, in the residential development areas. Yeah. And I'm curious about the differences you see between working with those kids and what might happen if you expanded your program in the future to be able to cater kids from less privileged areas. Yeah, yeah well, um, when I came out of uni, uh, I had to make a decision because, you know, uh, I'm only one person, I can only provide mm -hmm. football training to so many kids, at least for the time being. So I had to make a decision on who exactly do I want to target. And uh, I forget the mission statement that I wrote back, back then, but it's something like um, I want to provide, you know, like at, at Football Friends, we want to provide high quality youth grassroots coaching to everyone, you know. Uh, to anyone who would like to
to play football. And, and that's pretty much every uh, young person, you know. Um, I think everyone loves football here. Um, so, of course, that's, that's a dream of mine to be able to have the facilities and to have the right coaches and the right number of coaches to be able to do that at different price points, of course. Uh, for now, I'm only able to cater to around 60 to 80 kids. Uh, any more than that, I would have to significantly um, sort of reduce the quality of my training you right. know, by having fewer coaches and fewer attention to detail and individual attention. Because that's, that's one of the things that puts us apart from, I think, other football schools in, in, in the city is, is um, we really give the kids the in, like just the best individual attention yeah. that, that, that anyone provides, really. Um, so yeah, well, well. Uh, I'm just curious about. I'm not trying to like put any like pressure on you to like. Why aren't you like? Uh, yeah, yeah. Why aren't you like focusing on like poor kids? From uh, of course, that's like the that. dream, but and I, I want to get there as soon as possible. Of course. Yeah. Well, I'm curious about like sort of the differences. What What do you see about these kids? Is uh, right. Uh, what have I noticed? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, um, of course. With, with a lot of kids nowadays, and especially the kids that I'm dealing with from higher income families, um, there comes a lot of challenges that parents face and uh, we as coaches face as well um, that maybe always existed, but not to the extent that they exist now. One of them is, and probably the most important one, is the psychological well-being of the children and sort of how much they're socializing with other children and being exposed to different kinds of environments where they can learn to grow uh, and just become better people, you know? Um, so one of them's purely psychological, of course. Uh, I think a lot of kids, especially due to, due to COVID, um, just spending so much time indoors, you know, uh, and of course, uh, all these devices that kids now have access to. But also, I think maybe equally important, or at least uh, very, uh, like, very important anyway, is, is their physical fitness and, and physical well, well-being. Uh, I think a lot of kids who join us uh, are overweight uh, and have potentially serious and could have potentially serious health problems in the future mm -hmm. if they don't choose. It's because of their diets, of course, and their lifestyle, you know. So we're trying to always, always, always tell the kids, well, first of all, educate them on what difference does it make if you just eat a little more veg fruits and vegetables, yeah. you know, just a little more. It's okay. You can have your junk food. I, I mean... Uh, I, I eat my junk you food. You just devoured a waffle. <laughs> <in front of it. laughs> yeah, I mean, everyone's entitled to a, bit of, a little bit of sugar every now and then, but uh, it's important also to limit, uh, but also to have a balanced diet. That's super important, but also um, to be physically active. And that's what we do. We keep them physically active, and they're so happy to be physically active when they're with us. Um, of, of course, like once they're with us, um, they also start getting interested. They also start playing football outside of our football school. Yeah. So, so that's always a positive. So it's embedded in sort of their, you know. Yeah, yeah. They realize how fun it is, yeah. and they, they start organizing, and that's where we want them ideally to, to get to. They, we want them to get to a place where they don't need us to guide them 
to, to have fun. You mm -hmm. know, they can have fun without our guidance. That's what we used to do when we grew up. You know, when, when I was in my football team, we didn't have any supervision or guidance. We were organizing our own, and, and there's, there's a certain beauty in that, and I, I really like that, where kids are in, in charge or in control of their own, you know, uh, activities and actions without any adults telling them, hey, you need to stand there, this is how you need to run, this is, they, 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 they choose how they can have fun. So take me through the next, like, let's say two years. Uh, what are you hoping to expand with the Surly Football Friends? Yeah, um, a lot of people um, ask me about expansion plans and when are you and when are you planning to expand and how are you planning to expand. The truth is, I'm not interested in sort of business expansion uh, until I have the right personnel and the right coaches. Right now, I'm so lucky to have uh, two of the best youth coaches, uh, probably in in all of Sully, uh, Eddie and, uh, Eddie and uh, Shivan, and we also have uh, really great assistants, Aji, Avin, uh, and, and, uh, and a medical assistant, Aziz, who takes care of the kids. Um, and, and I was lucky to have, to, to meet these people and, and to have these people already within, sort of inside my own social circles. Uh, but in terms of like expansion, um, it's really difficult because it's, it's so hard to find people that are qualified to teach kids and have the football uh, expertise to be able to coach. Um, but yeah, expansion plans. So, so that's why I want to focus solely on football for now and for the immediate f uh, future. How can we create uh, you know, keeping the ethos, keeping the values that we have uh, of fun and uh, making sure everyone feels included. How can we then progress and create a truly uh, elite under 13, under 12, under 10 football team? Because th those are the age groups we work with. Mm -hmm. So. That's what I want in the next two years to maybe two years is a little um, is, is a short time frame, but I do want to be the best football team in, in, in the city. All right. Well, best of luck to you. And thanks so much for meeting me today. Thank you. Thanks again to Artin for taking the time uh, to talk while he ate his waffle. Inside Kurdistan is brought to you by the Kurdistan Information Network, and you can check out our podcast on kurdistanin.net. Be, sure be sure to subscribe to us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you have any questions or comments, you can reach out to us at info at kurdistanin.net. Thanks so much. I'm Aaron Weintraub, and this has been Inside Kurdistan. <laughs>